75 years ago, three to one Jewish people should have their homeland. Now fast forward 75 years, if you need proof of anti-Semitism in the world, the same UN, three to one, the vote is flipped. This is a catastrophe. The fact that Israel exists is an international catastrophe. It's a day of mourning. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world in the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. Just a heads up before we dive into our topic today, Carly, you know, A Jew and a Gentile Discuss is listener supported and we want to give you, our listeners, an opportunity at the end of this program to get more involved. So stay tuned for those details. Let's discuss. Ezra, I love when we get to talk about things that are happening in our current day, but look at them through a biblical lens. And that's what we're going to do today. Talk about a current event, but put some context around it. Before we get to talking about that current event, I want to talk about Israel's Independence Day. And now most of our listeners or those who are in the United States, you know, very familiar with Fourth of July, America's Independence Day, you know, barbecues, parades, all of those things. Israel's Independence Day. Uh, One question I have for you is, what is the date? Because uh, sometimes I see it's April and other times it's in May. It's different. So explain to us a little bit about what caused Israel's Independence Day and when is it celebrated? Yeah. And before I do, there is a parallel with American July 4th. And it's that like unofficially in Israel, Yom Ha'atzma'ut, which means the day of the independence, the day of freedom, is also like National Barbecue Day. So when my wife and I have been a few times in Israel on that day, it's like a springtime thing. And like you said, it falls either in April or May, depending on uh, where it is in the Gregorian calendar. More on that in a second. But it's really like this early, mid-springtime kind of festival. And everybody just gets out their little barbecue and goes to the park or goes to the ocean in Tel Aviv uh, and celebrates. And it's cool, actually, because... You can see in Tel Aviv, at least, and in some other parts of Israel, Arab and Jewish Israelis barbecuing next to each other, like uh, celebrating the freedom and the existence of the Jewish state. Uh, Israel is home, not counting the the Palestinian territories. Israel is home to well over a million, actually almost two million Arabs who are Israeli citizens. They carry a passport. They vote in the elections. So as much as Israel was founded to be the Jewish state, many of our listeners may not know that a good solid quarter or so of the population of Israel are non-Jewish Arab Israelis. And most of them are Muslim, but many are Christian as well. So now to answer your question, you know, tangent aside, why is it that this uh, Israeli Independence Day seems to flop around on our calendar depending on the year? And the reason is, and when I'm going to say it, it's going to sound so obvious. It's just in America, we sort of we can be Americocentric, right? We don't think of these things. But Israel, of course, operates on the Hebrew, or you can say the Jewish, but more appropriately, the Hebrew biblical calendar, which has a different set of months. It's a lunar calendar, different than the Gregorian calendar, which is really more of a solar calendar. And so Israel Independence Day, which is, I'm going to say a funny month name, Iyar. I'll roll my R at the end, like my wife, who's Israeli, does. Iyar, or I-Y-A-R in the transliteration. Israeli Independence Day is on the fifth of the month of Iyar on the uh, Hebrew calendar every year. But again, just like Rosh Hashanah, just like Passover, just like Hanukkah, because the Hebrew calendar doesn't correspond to the Gregorian calendar, the date that it falls on our, you know, January, February, March, etc. calendar is going to differ depending on the year. 
So this year, Israeli Independence Day begins because Hebrew days begin at sunset and end at sunset, unlike our days that begin in morning and end at night. It begins the evening of April 25th and goes through April 26th in this year, 2023. But it's always the 5th of Iyar on the Hebrew calendar. So the other thing that's important about this year's Israel Independence Day is that it's the 75th anniversary. Right. Is it the 75th anniversary of exactly? Yeah, this is a good question. So 75 years ago, Israel was faced with the expiration of what was called the British Mandate on Palestine. So as we know at the time, you know, France and Britain and other kind of major world powers in the historic world really colonized the world, right? They carved up the world and said, here's how we're going to run things. And regardless of what belonged to whom and what tribes or people groups lived where they did in the world, major world powers like Britain said, we're going to take charge and we're going to establish some borders either to serve our own economic interests or to try to keep the peace. Or in the case of Palestine, and when I say Palestine, people are thinking, oh, Palestinians, you're not saying Israel. I'm not taking a political view. Before there was the state of Israel, that region for thousands of years, really the better part of 2000 years more accurately, was called Palestine. And that word relates actually to the ancient Philistines, believe it or not. And it was originally called Palestina, almost as a derogatory term by the Roman Empire against the Jewish people. They were sort of trying to crush down Jewish power. And they said, let's call it Palestina, which was in essence, the land of the Philistines. Why is that so offensive to Jewish people? Because throughout Jewish history, right, throughout biblical history, we see it again and again, this kind of ongoing battle between Israel, the people of Israel, and the Philistines who wanted the Israelites wiped off the map. So carry that forward and you have this land that's called Palestine or Palestina, the better part of two millennia later. And the Brits established what was called the British Mandate on Palestine. And they said, this is how we're going to govern this part of the world. And at the time, there was no state of Israel. There was no Jewish homeland. The only thing that was known was, yeah, there's Jewish people living in Palestine, but the vast majority of people who are living there are Arab. But we're going to kind of take this under British control. And the interesting thing was that that mandate on Palestine that was written decades before expired on May 15th of 1948 at 12 o'clock midnight. Okay, so we have this looming deadline when British control of the region is going to end. What are the Jewish people who wanted to reestablish a homeland going to do? And so what happened was that this this committee on Palestine made up of Jewish men and women led by David Ben-Gurion. If you know that name, the one major international airport in Israel to this day is called Ben-Gurion Airport because Ben-Gurion becomes the first prime minister. But before he's the first prime minister, Carly, he is leading this committee on how do we reestablish a state, a Jewish state, in the midst of British Palestine. And what happens is hours before the British mandate on Palestine expires. So in the afternoon hours of May 14, 1948, this committee agrees to, in essence, declare the independence of the Jewish state hours before it's no man's land, hours before it's up for grabs. And, you know, presumably Arab countries would come and try to do a grab and say, does it belong to Jordan? Does it belong to Lebanon, Egypt? Who's going to get control? And this Jewish committee on Palestine said, no, this is the Jewish state. And so Israel declares its independence on May 14th, 1948, hours before the mandate expires. And this becomes Yom Ha'atzmaut, the day of independence or the day of freedom, uh, as you said, that we're coming up on 75 years celebrating 
this April, but still the 5th of ER, just like it was in 1948 on the Hebrew calendar, the 5th of ER of 2023 in late April, we're celebrating 75 years of independence. So that makes me think of Isaiah 66, where it talks about, can a nation be born in a day? Is this, you know, is Israel's Independence Day that example? Yeah, well, I think many would say that it is. I tend to agree. And the passage, I'll read it, is Isaiah 66, verses 7 and 8. And this is Isaiah, right? The prophets like Isaiah, like Jeremiah, like Ezekiel, are both speaking to Israel, to the Jewish people, and to the nations around Israel about what the Lord would say to them at that time. But you also get these glimpses of the future, of the days when the Messiah, we believe that's Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew, would rule and reign, when he would come the first time, and then a a day in the distant future when he would come back to rule and reign as the conquering king. But these prophets got glimpses of days yet to come. And I think Isaiah 66, verse 7 and 8, is one of those glimpses. It says, before she, and the context here is Zion. We see it in the next verse. So before Zion, before the land of Zion, the land of Israel was in labor, she gave birth. And before her pain came, she delivered a male child. And it says, who's heard of such a thing or who's seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day or shall a nation be born all at once? And then it's very specific because as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. And so there's this idea that we understand, okay, the childbearing process, I'm not a woman and I haven't given birth, so I've heard about it from others who have, you know, born testimony, right? That somebody's born. But before that, there's this tremendous period of increasing travail. But what Isaiah is saying, what he sees by the Spirit as he's penning these words is, wait a minute, before any travail even came, the birth happened and it's happening in a day. Like it's happening all at once. And he's saying, who's ever heard of such a thing? And yet for Zion, this is how it's going to be. So why is that significant? We're going to look forward and then we're going to look backwards, okay? Because we're trying to set the stage for what's happened very recently here that we're going to talk about in a couple minutes that I think is alarming. So uh, if you're not into the history lesson, stick with us for a few minutes because something's going on now, which I think should draw all of our attention. So Israel declares its independence May 14th, 1948. And immediately, Carly, like the next day, the entire Arab world, 78 million Arabs represented by the surrounding Arab nations, immediately declare war on the state of Israel. And this massive war starts. Now, what do we do? Because Israel's literally hours old. It has no Israel Defense Force, no IDF. It has no organized army. These are people either who have been living quietly as Jews in the land of Palestine for decades, or they're literally Holocaust survivors who had nowhere on earth else to go. So they show up, literally there's pictures of it, in their concentration camp pajamas, the striped pajamas, on boats into Haifa and Jaffa and all these places. And they're just trying to have a home where they can be safe. And hours after they declare their independence, the entire Arab world declares war on them. That, to me, is part of how we see Isaiah 66 fulfilled in the reestablishment of the modern state of Israel, right? It's the nation is born in a day, and then the birth pains come. And then there's this massive war throughout the Middle East that Israel miraculously is victorious in. More on that in other podcasts. And, you know, that goes on from 1948, really, until 1967, when this six-day war happens and Israel, in another unlikely victory, takes control for the first time in 2,000 years of the city of Jerusalem again. But I think that's the idea. Can a nation be born in a day? Yes, Israel declares its independence in a day. And then the birth pains come. There's this massive war that goes on for weeks. And yet, miraculously, Israel's victorious. So I think that's the context. So if you're listening and wondering why Ezra keeps talking about 
Palestine and the history of Palestinians, this is where this is all going to connect, hopefully. So you talked about the next day, May 15th, is when they declared war on Israel. So most recently, the United Nations voted to commemorate this day, May 15th. Right. So the Arab world talks about the establishment of the state of Israel as, in, in Arabic, a Nakba. And that means literally a catastrophe, okay, a great disaster. And to this day, like when Mahmoud Abbas came and made his appeal for statehood for the state of Palestine a few years back in the United Nations, he wouldn't say Yom Ha'atzmaut or Israeli Independence Day. He would say the Nakba. Like that's, and they translated it, you know, the date when Israel was established on the screen in English. But what he was saying in his mother tongue in Arabic was the Nakba. And that's all that's needed to refer to the establishment of the state of Israel, is just to call it the catastrophe. The great disaster for the Arab world was the day that Israel was established. But I think before we talk more about that and what the UN just did, we have to look at something else that happened the year before. Okay, so Israel declares its independence May 14th, 1948. But the previous winter, or really late fall, something super important happened in the United Nations. In the, out of the ashes of the Holocaust and the awareness that the British mandate on Palestine is about to expire, the issue comes up to the United Nations. What are we going to do when Britain no longer has control over this part of the Middle East? And what do we do for the Jewish people, half of whom have just been wiped out under Hitler? So these two things come to the UN. And there's this vote called the UN Partition on Palestine. And the question at hand that's put to all the nations of the earth represented in the UN on November 29th, 1947 is this. Should the Jewish people have their own homeland? Should they have their own state to call home that's known overtly as the Jewish state? And I'd say miraculously, I mean, we we don't know why. Was it for political expediency's sake, for the nations who voted? Was it out of pity for the Holocaust? Were there other things going on? We can't know. But what we do know is that 33 nations said, yes, Israel should have its own, the Jewish people should have their own state. Okay, we didn't even know what it was going to be called, if it should be called Israel. That's something Ben-Gurion and his friends worked out the next year. But the Jewish people should have their own state. 33 nations said yes, 13 said no, and 10 refused to vote. And it's interesting, you can Google this and look at who abstained, who said, you know what, I'm not going to take a position on this issue. But as an example, the United States voted yes. Uh, As one example, the U.S. said yes, the Jewish people should have their own homeland. So on November 29th, 1947, the U.N. passed a resolution saying the Jewish people shall have their own homeland. And it passed three to one. If you take out the abstentions, right, three to one of the nations of the world said, yes, the Jewish people deserve a homeland. Okay, so that was November 29th, 1947. So again, we've been talking this whole time about we're coming up on celebrating the the 75th anniversary of the, the state of Israel, right, of Israel's Independence Day. But something super important happened that we've not heard a lot about in the news, but look it up, get the details for yourself. On the 75th anniversary, Carly, of the UN vote three to one that the Jewish people should have a homeland, last November 29th in the UN, the same place in New York City, okay? The UN votes on this question. Should we declare the Independence Day of Israel, known as the Nakba, the catastrophe in the Arab world, should we, in essence, as the United Nations, as the nations of the world, join the Arab nations in declaring this day an international catastrophe, 
Okay, 75 years after the same United Nations says three to one, the Jewish people need their own homeland. On November 29th, 2022, the UN voted three to one, 90 nations for, 30 only against, declaring this day in May, what is it, May 15th, because they're going with the Gregorian date of Israel Independence Day, of 2023, the 75th anniversary of Israel's statehood in international catastrophe. So now it's not just the Arab world calling it a Nakba, it's the UN labeling the 75th anniversary of the state of Israel's existence an international catastrophe. So just, I mean, like, think of the parallel there. I mean, to me, it's, it's stunning. And what's even more stunning is how little coverage it got on the international media. 75 years ago, three to one Jewish people should have their homeland. Now, fast forward 75 years. If you need proof of anti-Semitism in the world, the same UN, three to one, the vote is flipped. This is a catastrophe. The fact that Israel exists is an international catastrophe. It's a day of mourning. That's what I was going to ask you is, do you see this as an example of anti-Semitism continuing to grow? And as well, it makes me think, you know, Israel continues to be, you know, we always say the size of the state of New Jersey. Sure. But still surviving right. through these types of things. Right. And more on the survival in a second. I think, you know, we say, is anti-Semitism still real? We get questions, you know, here, you know, at Jewish Voice, where we both serve Jewish communities and their neighbors, but people also write into the podcast, like, you know, anti-Semitism. I hear about it on the news. I hear about the Jewish community. I hear about the rabbis saying anti-Semitism. I hear Netanyahu saying we have to fight against anti-Semitism. And people are like, yeah, but for real? Like, is this just like a thing? Like, are we trying to victimize the Jewish people? Is this for real? And I think maybe we can think of examples where individual Jewish men and women or children in the world have been assaulted or somebody paints a swastika on their garage. I'm thinking of a specific case right now. And we go, yeah, that's that's bad. Somebody hated them. Somebody's, you know, prejudice or whatever. But is that really evidence for like worldwide increasing anti-Semitism? Carly, I would have said, well, it's some anti-Semitism until November 29th, when very quietly on my news feed, this thing pops up and says, UN declares state of Israel international catastrophe. And I was like, what? So I would say it's one of the greatest proofs in our lifetime of kind of how the world is changing, that this thing which was celebrated three to one by the nations of the earth is now condemned. And for those listening, this may be totally new news. Like you may not have seen this on right. your news feed or sure. however you get your news. So don't take our word for it. Google it. It's, right. it's real. It's out there. But for those listening who aren't Jewish, Ezra, why should this be important? Yeah, I think one, it's a wake up call. And what do we mean by that? I'm thinking of verses in the Old Testament that are very clear that in the days before the Messiah, right, Jesus is ruling and reigning on earth. It says all the nations of the world shall be gathered together against Jerusalem. Right. And Jerusalem, and we can say Jerusalem is a physical city. It has borders like there's literally a city of Jerusalem today on the map with its own mayor and municipality. If you haven't been there, go to Israel and see it. But it's really representative also of like the heart of the homeland of the Jewish people. OK, so we can say Jerusalem, Zion, the land of Israel. But it's this idea that Jerusalem, Israel, the prophets say, becomes a cup of drunkenness that makes the nations drunk with rage. It's this idea that when the nations of the earth think of the land of Israel and even the city of Jerusalem more specifically, they don't even understand what they're doing. They're, they're drunk with anger 
people who have seen drunk people or been drunk, you know, you don't have to point yourself out if you're listening, but if you've ever been in that place, you realize I don't, I'm not even in control of what I'm doing. And that's what the prophets were foreseeing is there's going to be such this unexplainable hatred, this loss of control born of rage against Israel and Jerusalem, and we would say even the Jewish people, that all the nations of the world are going to conspire and say, we need to wipe out this city. We need to wipe out this land. And I think, you know, people, again, might go, yeah, but for real? And, you know, we know Iran says we need to drive the enemy Israel into the heart of the sea. Iran won't even say, the, the government of Iran, by the way, won't even say the name Israel. They'll just say the enemy in, in Farsi by the way. But this idea of we're going to wipe out the Jewish people, one leader said it, one nation said it here and there. But now with this with this Nakba day, Carly, I think it's a huge step towards seeing that prophecy fulfilled, right? Like, are all the nations of the world gathered together against Israel and Jerusalem? Well, three to one they are. So how much, how much farther do we have to go? So I would say for a Christian audience, if you're going, you know, Israel's the homeland for the Jewish people, fine. I went there on a tour once. What does that have to do with me? I think it's a wake-up call that there's a reality in terms of world sentiment that's turning increasingly against this idea that the Jewish people should have a homeland. And maybe you're listening to this going, yeah, that stinks for the Jewish people, but again, I'm here in America. What does that have to do with me? And I think what we have to remember, we talk about this so often, but I'll say it again, and Paul talks about this a lot to the church in Rome, which was predominantly not Jewish, predominantly Gentile. And they're looking, going, what, the, what does Israel have to do with me? Even Jewish believers in Jesus, what does that have to do with me? And Paul's saying, understand, when you accepted Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, you were, you were connected, grafted in, in the old English idea, you were connected to a tree whose roots are Israel. So it's not that Jewish people are converting to Christianity, it's that you who didn't know the God of Israel have actually been fundamentally changed now that you're in relationship with him. And if you love God, you love the things and the people he loves. And God says, I love Israel. I'm jealous for her forever. I'm jealous for the land of Israel, and I'm jealous for the Jewish people or the people of Israel. And so that would be, I guess, my, my two-part answer is, one, it's a wake-up call that we can literally see proudly displayed in these governing bodies on earth, a declaration that a homeland for the Jewish people need not exist. In fact, it shouldn't. In fact, it's a disaster that it does. And also for our Christian audience, understand your, your destiny, now that you've been grafted into this olive tree Paul's talking about, is inextricably connected with what's happening with the Jewish people, those living in the land of Israel and those scattered among the nations of the world, whether they're in Uruguay or Ethiopia or Los Angeles. So it matters to you because you're part of a people. You've been made part of a people uh, who are going to have a really hard time before Jesus comes back. And so the question before us, and this was the question for Christians in Germany, frankly, in the 1930s, is do I, do I identify with the Jewish people so much as to do something that I can uh, in response to their suffering and their persecution? Or do I, turn my other, do I turn my head the other way and say that's their problem, not mine? So if there is a Christian listening who says, I, I want to do something, sure. what, what can they do? Right. Well, I think, I mean, this sounds super simple, but one, make yourself aware of the news, right? And that's part of, Carly, what we do so often on this podcast is we say we're looking at these issues through a historical lens and through a biblical lens as well. You know, if we slice the onion the other way through a Jewish lens 
and a Christian lens. So the first thing I would say is familiarize yourself with what's actually happening in the world as it relates to the state of Israel, the land of Israel, and Jewish people. Do, do the Google research. You know, it's not going to take you much to find it, even though it wasn't really covered on international news. And you're going to find this resolution. You're going to find that on May 15th this year, there will be like international commemorations condemning the existence of the Jewish state. So first is just to become aware of it. Uh, don't take our word for it, as we say. You know, we have our opinions, but familiarize yourself with the facts and get your own opinion. Hold up what's happening in the world against uh, the Bible. And then also, if you if you come to the place where you go, you know what? This resolution isn't something I can support, then talk to your friends about it. Talk to your pastor about it. Talk to your church about it. You know, does this mean you need to put an Israel flag bumper sticker on your car and, you know, wave a lion of the tribe of Judah flag down your aisles of your church or congregation? No. In fact, I'd advise that you not do that. But uh, becoming informed and then being a voice to say, you know what, is Israel perfect? No. Is the state a theocracy where Jesus rules and reigns? Certainly not. But do I stand with Israel and am I going to familiarize myself with the dangers against her? Because I care about what God cares about and he cares deeply about Israel and the Jewish people. Yeah, that's a good first step. So arm yourself with the information. And if you find something happening that seems to not be in line with God's plans and purposes, speak up about it, even if it doesn't feel like it directly relates to you. And I'll add also pray. Pray about pray for yeah. Israel and the Jewish people, but also ask God if there's something he wants you to do right. to be more involved or to do something. This is obviously people he cares about. He'll he'll respond to you in that way. We hope this was informative and I hope that you're grappling with this. What does this mean for you as a Christian or a Jewish person listening, knowing the events that are happening in the world and how that is relating to Bible prophecy? If you benefited from what you heard today and you feel others could benefit from hearing it too, we wanna ask you to get involved and become a supporter. $50 gets this and other important messages out to a broader audience and gets life-saving medical care to one additional underserved Jewish person living far outside the land of Israel. As a thank you, we'll send you a bag of fresh roasted Ethiopian beans from our own Lost Tribes Coffee Company. These delicious beans are responsible for both the speed and intensity with which Ezra expresses himself on this podcast. Totally true, Carly. And if you're not ready to become a supporter today, just let us know that you'll listen by entering and giving a little bit of information. You'll be entered in a drawing to win a free bag of that Lost Tribes Coffee Company coffee. You can go to our website at jewandagentilediscuss.org or click in the show notes for more information. And if you want to hear more episodes, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast content. And we'd also love if you leave us a review and share this podcast with someone you know. You can also follow us on social media at the handle A Jew and A Gentile Discuss. And if there's anything you want us to discuss or have us answer, please submit your questions at our website, A Jew and A Gentile Discuss.org. This is Carly and Ezra. Thanks for listening to A Jew and A Gentile Discuss. Join us next week for another episode. The show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.